0: You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. Every criminal trial needs a judge. But in Canada right now, not every criminal case gets one. We're currently in the middle of a severe and growing shortage of judges. In some instances, this means criminal cases that have waited years for a trial are simply thrown out. When this occurs, not only does it mean that people accused of serious crimes simply walk free, it also means that potentially innocent people have spent years waiting for a trial that never comes, with no chance to clear their names. A federal court ruling last week called this an appalling crisis, adding that the federal government has failed Canadians. So how did we end up in this mess? Why hasn't the government simply appointed more judges? And until they do, how many more cases will be tossed out in the meantime? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Jacques Gallant is a Toronto-based courts and legal affairs reporter with the Toronto Star. Hi, Jacques. Hi, thanks for having me. Why don't you start by telling us about the Marlon Downey trial or lack of one? Who is Marlon Downey? What happened to this case? So, the Marlon Downey case uh, was a Toronto
1: area man who was facing a number of really serious criminal charges, including human trafficking, uh, a couple firearm charges, firearm related charges, and a couple drug trafficking charges. And what happened was, There was a delay in completing his trial at the Superior Court in Toronto. And part of the reason for that delay was they just don't have enough judges to hear all the criminal cases in a timely manner. And so his case ended up being impacted by that. And it got thrown out due to delay in uh, January last month. Because there's a constitutional right for when you're accused of a crime to be tried within a reasonable time. So there is a deadline to that. There's a clock ticking when you're charged with an offense. And in the superior court, the time limit is 30 months and his case went over the 30 months. And so the judge had to throw it out for delay.
0: So does that mean that he just walks free? Can these charges be brought again? What happens to him?
1: Uh, no, these charges cannot be brought again. So that's the end of the prosecution on those charges huh. for him. That's it for now at least so the crown can appeal and the crown is appealing so if the ontario court of appeal finds that it was wrong to throw out this case for delay that the judge made an error in calculating the delay it could get sent back for retrial but if the court of appeal finds that there was no legal error then yeah that's that's it there's no the, the criminal pro- the prosecution's over
0: do we know how often this happens that cases are tossed because of a lack of judges
1: so unfortunately, criminal cases getting tossed due to delay is not an uncommon phenomenon in the Ontario justice system. They get tossed for delay for a whole variety of reasons, lack of courtroom space, witnesses not being able to testify when they were supposed to, so the trial gets postponed and delay starts to accumulate, the Crown not disclosing evidence as quickly as it should, that's really drags things out. Mm -hmm. But cases tossed for delay because there are not enough available judges, this is something that has really only started to become a problem, at least in Toronto, in the last two months or so. So since December, at least three criminal cases, including the Marlon Downey case, have been thrown out due to delay at the Superior Court in Toronto because of the lack of judges. There, There is no judge available to hear the case. And it leads to that accumulation of delay. So that's what we're starting to see more and more of, at least in Toronto.
0: Why are we starting to see this now? What happened uh, two months ago? Or is this something that happened X number of years and two months ago?
1: So the issue of the lack of judges is a longstanding problem. It goes back years. There have always been a lot of what are called judicial vacancies. So those are spots on the bench that are already budgeted for but the government, the federal government has been very slow at filling those empty spots on the bench. So it's a longstanding problem, but it certainly seems like in the last two months, at least again in Toronto, the judges at the criminal courthouse in Toronto and Superior Court, it appears, have just become fed up that mm. this is a long-standing problem. It's caused a lot of headaches. It's caused a lot of cases to kind of accumulate delay and be at risk of being thrown out. And it looks like the judges have had enough. And it seems to me, at least, that they're sending a message to the federal government that, yeah, enough is enough and you absolutely need to start appointing more judges because we just don't have enough right now
0: to hear all the criminal cases that we're supposed to hear. You mentioned that this is an issue in terms of cases being tossed out in Toronto, but uh, a lack of judges, is that just an issue in Toronto? Is that across the country? Uh, So because I only, you know, cover
1: courts and justice for the Toronto Star, I'm really mainly familiar with the situation in Toronto, but it is absolutely a problem throughout the country. There Uh are about 73 judicial vacancies right now across the country. That's a pretty high number. And I know we're probably going to get into this, but there's a federal court ruling that came out just this week where the federal court declared that, this is a really appalling crisis, are the words that the federal court used, hmm. this high number of empty spots on benches across the country. And they and the federal court declared that the federal government must start filling those judicial vacancies within a reasonable time. In other words, like, like get moving, like get yeah. this done as quickly as possible.
0: So before we get into that federal court ruling, and we are going to talk about that, um, just Start maybe with the basics. I know this sounds like a really basic question, but how are judges appointed? What is that process like? Is it complex? Like, what does the government do here?
1: So we're talking about judges, the higher court judges, so judges in superior court, which deals with the most serious criminal cases, like homicide trials, for example. Now, those judges are appointed by the federal government. And the way it works is that If you want to become a judge on the Superior Court, there's an application process. You have to have been a member of the bar. You've had to be a lawyer for at least 10 years. You apply to become a judge. There are these independent advisory committees throughout the country that vet these applications. And then they produce a list of candidates to the federal justice minister uh, in terms of candidates who are highly recommended or just recommend it. And then the justice minister makes his decisions on, through that list about who he might like to see appointed to the bench, takes that to cabinet, cabinet gives its final seal of approval, and then you've got a judge. And it, it's, a, it's a fairly secretive process at the end of the day, and mm-hmm. clearly there are some issues in that process, causing a
0: backlog with appointments. Before we get into that, though, just so I understand, because I think um, when we hear about judicial vacancies and governments appointing judges, a lot of people see it through the lens of what we see in America down south, right? Which, Which ends up turning into a partisan fight. Will these judges be confirmed? That's not, to be clear, what we're talking about here.
1: No, I mean, in, in the U.S., yeah, you see like judges, like federally appointed judges need to be appoint, uh, confirmed by the Senate and you see them go testify before they get appointed. We don't, have, we don't have that here. Right. You won't see potential judges testifying in front of any committee. Like with the Supreme Court of Canada, when a judge is appointed to the Supreme Court of Canada, they go speak at a parliamentary committee, but it's more of a formality than anything. But mm-hmm. for any other uh, potential judge, No, we don't have. We don't have that kind of political circus that you see in the U.S.
0: So where does the holdup come from then? Do we know? Is it that there hasn't been a list prepared with vetted judges on it for uh, the minister to pick from? Is it that there is a list, but the minister hasn't picked from it? Is it the cabinet hasn't confirmed these judges? Like, where is the holdup? I mean, those are great questions, and certainly they, they're questions that I've asked uh, successive
1: justice ministers in this government over the years, and you really have to kind of read between the lines of what their responses have been, which have been pretty meager. I mean, the the justice minister, again, just this week, Arif Ferrani, the federal justice minister, he said that, I continue to encourage people to apply, and he continues to want to make high quality appointments that reflect the diversity of Canada. And his predecessor, David Lametti, had also suggested in the past that he's really been trying to encourage more uh, diverse applicants, which would include, you know, more people of color, more people from the LGBTQ community, more indigenous applicants, which is all obviously like really important. Mm-hmm. It sounds like perhaps there is trouble. Recruiting more people from diverse backgrounds to apply for the bench. Perhaps that's one of the reasons. But the government has just never come out and explicitly said what is causing the holdup despite being asked repeatedly. And again, in the, the federal court decision that came down this week, the judge made a point of noting that the government gave him no explanation or
0: justification for the delay. So it's not just you that they're not talking to.
1: No, it's not just me. <laughs> You know, they're happy to ignore a journalist, but like in a court case dealing with this very issue, they also gave no uh, answer. So that I think that tells you a lot.
0: Let's talk a little bit more about that judgment. Um so this is the federal court looking at this, seeing that cases are now being tossed out and saying this is unacceptable, you've got to get things done. What kind of weight or power or consequence does that carry?
1: It's more of a of a if anything a PR disaster of sorts for the federal government than anything else because mm-hmm. the judge stopped short of making an actual like legal order that carries legal consequences if you don't follow it, if you don't start appointing more judges more quickly. What the judge did in this case is he made a declaration that the federal government must start appointing more judges in a reasonable time. And so a declaration, it's it's basically kind of like reminding the federal government of what they're already supposed to do and making it clear that the court is fed up with what's happening across the country. The judge also leaves the door open to revisit this issue if his declaration isn't followed. And revisiting the issue could mean, for example, uh, perhaps declaring that the government has to start appointing judges within very specific timelines. It can Mm. lead to like an escalation, right? Like this is the first step. And if the government doesn't really
0: follow what the judge has said, then it could start to escalate further. I mean, one of the reasons that we're talking to you is because, as you mentioned, this ruling was kind of a PR uh, disaster for the government that doesn't need another one at the moment, but... The government didn't answer questions before the ruling. Have they commented on the ruling since it became public? I mean, this thing made headlines last week across the country.
1: Yeah, and again, the federal justice minister, uh, Minister Varani, he did speak to reporters uh, the day the ruling came out, this week, uh, just a few hours after the ruling came out. And he, first of all, didn't respond as to whether the government is going to appeal this decision. He said they were still reviewing it, and he just reiterated what he has always said and what his predecessors have always said, mm-hmm. which is they this government has appointed judges at record speed and will continue to do so. And
0: Have they done that? Do we know if they've done that?
1: Well, they certainly appear to have appointed a lot of judges, yes, and they've also added a lot of entirely new positions to a couple benches across the country, which inevitably increases the number of judicial vacancies. Huh. But at the same time, it's like they've, they've created these entirely new positions and yet they're not filling them all that quickly. <laughs> okay. So they kind of just linger there, like these empty spots on the bench for a number of months and
0: in some cases years. Um, we've talked about what people in the uh, upper halls of power, I guess, have to say about this, but you cover the courts on a regular basis. What do people around the courthouse say about this shortage? What do they think of it? What kind of impact is it having on the ground?
1: Well, so on the ground, obviously, what it what it causes is that in some cases you have victims and then the victims never get any kind of sense of justice because the case doesn't even end up going to trial and and you don't get any kind of real closure from that. An accused person never gets to, you know, potentially have their name cleared and be acquitted of the charges if it does go to trial. Mm-hmm. Lawyers who work in the courthouses here have said that the lack of judges is certainly one of the issues causing delay in the criminal justice system, but it's not, it's not necessarily the primary issue causing delay. Hmm. I think from a judge's perspective, it is, right? Like judges see that there are a lot of empty spots around them that need to be filled and they're very frustrated by that. And that is certainly one of the causes of delay. Well, there's no case without a judge, right? Right, exactly. But lawyers have pointed out there are other major issues So the Criminal Lawyers Association, which represents defense lawyers, they've pointed out that there are just too many cases in the system to begin with Mm. and that Crown attorneys need to really start to look more at which cases could be filtered out of the system, like cases that are already pretty weak to begin with and that don't really stand a chance of a conviction at trial. Crown attorneys have said they already do that work and that what is needed to help move things along faster is they need to hire more crown attorneys. Right. And they need to hire more support staff to, you know, help them clear through all the cases that they are seeing in the system. So, yeah, judicial vacancies or lack of judges, definitely one of the problems causing delay, but not not the only one.
0: What happens if the government keeps filling judicial seats, but at the, at the same pace that they have? And maybe I'm making an assumption here, but I tend to picture judges as people towards uh, maybe the end of their legal careers who have, you know, accumulated that kind of knowledge and experience to be chosen. Are we looking at more justices retiring and having even more vacancies to fill? If the government maintains the
1: pace of appointments that it's had for a while now, yeah, you're going to constantly see judges retiring or go part-time. When a judge goes part-time, that creates a vacancy that needs to be filled. Hmm. That happens every every couple weeks, you know, a judge somewhere in the country is retiring or going part-time. And if the government maintains its current pace, then yeah, I think the vacancy number will remain relatively unchanged, even with new appointments, and uh, could even increase again substantially. And what happens with that is I think we will see more criminal cases in the near future thrown out uh, due to delay caused by the lack of judges. Like, certainly in Toronto, I mean, I I get the impression that the the judges at the criminal courthouse seem pretty fed up and united on this issue.
0: So they're just planning to maybe keep tossing them until somebody takes notice and does something.
1: I think that could happen, yeah. I think uh, I think that's something to be really concerned about because I want to reiterate, like, people have a constitutional right to a trial within a reasonable time so mm-hmm. a judge who has a case that has now gone over the 30 month limit for cases that are supposed to be heard in superior court and it's gone over the limit for reasons that include there was no judge available for a while to hear it their hands are kind of tied like they or they are tied like they have to they have to throw it out it's a
0: remedy for a constitutional violation when those cases get thrown out i mean we've talked about County Going Free, and uh, others. What about the victims and their families in those cases? Like, have have they commented at all on the fact that, you know, they're waiting to see uh, justice done, and then it's like, actually, no, sorry, it's over?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've interviewed victims uh, over the years from cases that have been thrown out due to delay, not specifically tied to cases thrown out due to the lack of judges, but cases tossed for delay for other reasons. Actually, I just did one two or three weeks ago, it was uh, a sexual assault case at the Milton courthouse. And what happened was the guy was convicted by the jury of sexual assault. And after the jury delivered its verdict, the judge tossed the case for delay three days before Christmas last year. And I interviewed, you know, the complainant in that case who just said she sat there in the courtroom in disbelief hearing the judge say that, and then saying, you know, to the accused, you're free to go. And obviously that has a huge impact on a person's confidence in the justice system. She, of course, now has no confidence in the justice system and is extremely frustrated, saddened, devastated, disillusioned, and just shattered by that experience, to have testified
0: mm-hmm.
1: that she was sexually assaulted, to have, to have the jury believe her and convict the guy, and then to see the case tossed for
0: delay. So what happens next here? I mean, do we know if the government is going to do anything? When will we get an indication that they either will continue apace or, or they'll pick it up? I imagine, and I think you, you've heard uh, some heavy criticism from the opposition uh, on this. What comes next?
1: While the federal court ruling was on Tuesday, and now we're Friday. As far as I know, I have not, I haven't
0: seen any new judicial appointments yet. They could, though, if they wanted to, right? They they could just appoint somebody, like, tomorrow. And I understand the need for diversity on the bench, and I understand, you know, their motives for it and everything else. But just to be clear, like, there are lots and lots of potential judges around Canada that they could nominate, like, any time if they wanted to.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I've heard, including in the Downey case, I should say like Downey's lawyer said to me, he and so many other lawyers know of many really qualified lawyers who have applied to become judges and would make great judges and very qualified. When you talk to people on the ground, it certainly sounds like the applicant pool is quite large and strong, like that there are a lot of people applying for it. And I just, I would reiterate that like the federal government really owes the public, especially after this federal court decision this week, the government really owes the public an explanation, a clear explanation for why there's a delay here, because it's having a huge impact on the lives of
0: people who move through the criminal system, both the accused and the victims. Jacques, thank you so much for this. And uh, I guess we'll see what kind of explanation we get, if any. Yes, thanks
1: very much. Great talking to you.
0: Jacques Gallant, courts and legal affairs reporter with The Toronto Star. That was The Big Story. For more, you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. You'll find all of our previous episodes there. Search for whatever topic you like. See what we've done on it. Sometimes I surprise myself and also take a trip down memory lane and realize just how far those archives go back. If you want to comment on this story or any other story we do, we would welcome it. The way to do that is with email, hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca or on a voicemail, 416-935-5935. The Big Story is available in whatever podcast player you choose to play it in. Wherever it is, you should subscribe and follow or do everything that little podcast player lets you do to show us that you like the show it's always appreciated. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow.